Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. It's Tuesday, and uh, I am here to talk about the NFL with my usual NFL Gridiron Geeks partner here, Stephen Ruiz, and uh, we're coming off of a crazy weekend of NFL action uh, in the playoffs, and now we get Championship Week, which is really exciting. Stephen, how, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I was kind of worried after that first week that we were going to get the dud of a playoffs, but uh, the divisional round just made up for what happened in the wild card round. It was great. Oh, it was that Sunday slate of games was was exactly what you want out of the NFL playoffs. Mm. Just you know, back and forth action, close games, uh, and some weird stuff happening, which which is always great in the NFL. Um, let's just kick it off. I, I just wanted to talk about because we can't we can't talk about last week without talking about that Stefan Diggs catch and play, um, which I almost woke up my kid who was who was just about to fall asleep. Screaming, I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And I tried to like really hard to keep it inside because I just couldn't believe what I saw. What, what did you? What, what was your big takeaway from that play? What did you do? Did you jump up and down or do anything? I, I, you don't seem like the type who would jump up and down, but what did you do? No, I did have a friend over while that game was on, and he had bet on the Saints <laughs> straight. I just had to win, so he took that pretty hard. But yeah, I, I did not see that coming. I, I thought the Saints. I didn't like how they played, played that how the Saints defense played it. I, it seemed like they were just guarding. They just didn't want the Vikings to get out of bounds, which I think you just got to worry about getting beat at that point. Don't worry about the time. Just don't let them, don't let them catch something downfield. And even if Williams makes that tackle, they still have a, a chance to kick a field goal. You're indoors. I think it was around what the 39 yard line. So I just thought it was a bad strategy all around by the Saints defense. And then the missed tackle happens and that makes it even worse. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I blame, blame I blame the same play caller there. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I don't fully blame Marcus Williams as I, as I don't with other other like sporting gaffes that we you know if if anyone calls it like one of the greatest mistakes you know defensive mistakes like right like how did you let you know how did you let Stephon Diggs catch that ball and be, to begin with which by the way was a really uh, the, the catch itself was incredible he got up really high and we also know we've seen that from Stefan Diggs the whole year right like the guy has can leap out of the building and he's not that huge so uh, uh to see that catch I was like oh that's that's some classic Stefan Diggs from earlier this season and yeah I mean Marcus Williams did make a mistake but but we got to remember you know the defense there was kind of uh not doing its job yeah, and that's that's what we've seen from, like you said, that's what we've seen from both Vikings receivers all year long. We've we've kind of been pumping up those two guys as top five, a top five, top five receiving duo. Yeah, I think they proved it on Sunday. Thielen made a couple of crazy hedges too, and I think that's a good place to start with the NFC Championship game because I think that's the key matchup. Will the Eagles be able to cover those two receivers? Because that's kind of been the weakness of the Eagles' defense all season has been the cornerback position, and that might be a problem against the Vikings. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, that Thielen, you know, who was blanketed by Lattimore for much of that game, I was really impressed to see him even make a couple of catches. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, if, if you all haven't read, uh, I got to give credit to another publication. I mean, I, the SI.com, uh, MMQB, uh, Peter King breakdown of that play, you know, he talked about Thielen covered by Lattimore. He's out. Rudolph running like a six yard out. He's out. Um, so pretty much it's designed for digs downfield to kind of uh, get that pass. Um but yeah, I think that the the Eagles, the 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 way to losing the path to losing this game is the secondary, and we said it last week. And and uh, the Falcons had their shots. Uh, I thought that they really had their shots, but uh, ultimately, it's exactly what you've pointed out all year. That front seven 
is exactly what makes the Eagles so so dangerous. You know, on that fourth down um, play, you know, and, and their pass rush, it's just it's it's all there. And I don't think anybody should be underrating the Eagles. And I feel really dumb in our picks column for being like, oh yeah, the Falcons have this because uh, really, you know, if Foles just makes a few throws here and there, they are as much of a Super Bowl contender as the Vikings are. Yeah, and I, I kind of got lucky there. I I picked the Eagles in our picks column, and I kind of said, are we are we uh, underrating the Eagles? I mean, they were good all year, and they had a couple bad games and a couple crazy weather situations. It was really cold in Philly, and I think the wind was crazy, and Foles had bad games. But if Foles can just be what he was on Saturday, except for that one that one crazy dropped interception that went right to Torrey Smith, if he can right. just avoid a mistake like that, then I think – I think the Eagles have a real shot because I love that defensive line. And we saw what Cameron Jordan was doing to the Vikings' offensive line. The Eagles have way more talent on the defensive line. They have Fletcher Cox, who might be better than Cameron Jordan. They have Timmy Jernigan, who's just disruptive in the middle. And then they have great ends. They have uh, Derek Barnett, Chris Long. So they have enough to disrupt that Vikings run game and pass game. So I think that's where the game is won for the Eagles. If they dominate, they have a very good chance of winning. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm officially nervous because I'm really I'm I'm sort of all in on the Vikings bandwagon to the Super Bowl, partially because and we can get into this later, partially because they'd be playing at home and that's gonna be awesome. Um but I love what what the Vikings can do. And I, hey, let's remember they they were one play away from losing that game. I mean the Saints were we're we're ready to, to, to march off off the field with a win there. Um, so we can't necessarily say the Vikings had their their best day ever. I think Mike Zimmer even said like we you know missed on some plays here and there. You know uh, you know made some really big mistakes here and there. So they've got to learn from that and adjust. And it's no slam dunk with the Eagles. I just think that the the, the Eagles need to take out like a. Um, a, uh, a page from the, the Jacksonville playbook, right, and just run the ball because that's really the only way they're going to do what they need to do because the Vikings secondary is so good that I, I don't see Foles doing a, a ton downfield. Uh, so to me, and also they have to give JHI the ball more. Um, I saw a tweet that was, I think they had a 30-20 split with, with Blunt, and I'm like, just can you just make that like like 40-10 or whatever, you know, 30-10 or something like that, uh, uh, a little bit more for Ajayi. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think you're dead on there. They have to run the ball successfully. If they don't, they have no chance on offense, and they're gonna have to win a game like nine to six. Right, which is what I think might happen anyway, given these two defenses. Um, uh, the the spread right now is um, the uh, Vikings favored on the road by three and a half. I'm considering taking the points. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's my gut instinct too. Just because I I think I think the Eagles' offense. They do a lot of like run pass option stuff, so I think I think they're gonna have they're gonna have a chance to move the ball if if that stuff works, and I think it can work against an aggressive defense like the Vikings. They they do a lot of like blitzing up the middle, so I think there's gonna be some opportunities on the outside as long as they as long as the the uh, Eagles receivers can like make the Vikings uh, defensive backs miss some tackles, and we don't know how, if Sendejo is gonna play after taking that big hit. So that could be a problem uh, for the Vikings secondary tackling-wise. So if they can make the, the Vikings defensive backs miss a couple times, and Nelson Ag- Aguilar is definitely capable of doing that. I think they can move the ball and get some chunk plays, and that will open up the running game. I think I think they can put up at least 20 on – I think they can put up 20 on the Vikings. And if they put up 20, I think that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on Case Keenum. And I don't think he's going to be able to – I don't think he's going to – 
have as good a game against a pass rusher like this because I think that's kind of been his his when when he gets into trouble if he if he can't escape the rush he kind of just throws it up off his back foot he did it a couple times against the Saints and I think those plays are eventually going to burn him. Well, the the play before the 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 Stephon Diggs catch I mean that. That was, you know, that was exactly what you're talking about, where he's getting chased out of the pocket. He's not exactly a guy who's uh, who's that elusive. So, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. I did see a lot of panic out of him. Uh, I think the Vikings win this game, but I, I'm, I think it's a three-pointer, and I think it's like a 12-9 to kind of game. I don't know. That just seems, uh, just seems obviously, the, the over-under is 38. I think it's way under. Uh, uh, just because these two defenses are so good. And the quarterbacks, it's not going to be like a, a, a huge quarterback uh, uh, game to, to me. And, and that's I mean, that's where the Vikings have made their bread and butter this year, even though they can run the ball. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be just classic old-school running, hopefully running game football. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're going to see. I think, I think it's going to be decided by a defensive touchdown or a special team oh, like touchdown, that. to be honest. Like that, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for this game, even though even though I, I just think you know, sort of not having Carson Wentz there, kind of dials it down a little bit. I still think I, I'm I'm a fan of this kind of football. It's not like I'm going to sit there and say, "Woe is me," you know. It's going to be all D all day. You know, it'll be like a pitcher's duel. You know, and I love a good pitcher's duel. Yeah, I think and I think uh, that's kind of what we expected from. That's what we've expected of the NFC playoffs the whole time, and. It, it's kind of what we got in the last two games. The Saints game, I think it ended up being more high scoring than it it should have been. Like they scored a lot in the last like two minutes, but for most of that game, it was a defensive battle, and it was still entertaining to watch. I think we'll get the same kind of game on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's take a break for a second so we talk about our sponsor, Mattress Firm, and Sports Puns. All right, so let's keep the ball rolling, shall we? The base for my argument is simple. Your bed budget can go further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's tr- it's a true home run, and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this. They are more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. Score big with the perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. All right, let's move on to the AFC. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars, who we wrote off, we keep writing off, and here they are again. And here's Blake Bortles again. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, I was in the car coming, going somewhere, and I was just checking my phone, and I was like, oh, Jags scored a touchdown, seven points. Oh, J- Jags scored again, 14. Oh, my God, they scored 21. And and it blew our expectations, both of ours, out of the water. Can they do that again against New England? I think the answer is, yeah, they can. Yeah, I'm definitely not sleeping on the Jaguars. I, I wrote right after that game that the Patriots, I, everyone just assumed the Patriots would rather see the Jaguars than the Steelers just because, you know, the Steelers have more experience. But I don't think that's the case. I think the ja- I don't think the Patriots want any part of the, the, the Jaguars just because – how they play defense, they can, they they play defense like the Steelers want to play defense. The Steelers talked about it all offseason. They wanted to be a team that could rush for and cover the Patriots man-to-man. Well, the Jaguars can do that, and they can do that better than anyone in the league. And 
that's going to be – that's always been a problem for Brady. I mean, whenever he's struggled in the playoffs, and it, that rarely happens, it's been against one of these defenses that can do that. It, it happened against the Broncos two years ago before the Broncos won the Super Bowl against that great defense. It was happening for about 38 minutes in last year's Super Bowl against the uh, Falcons. And that's exactly the kind of defense he's he's going to be facing on Sunday. Just The Jaguars and the Falcons both come from that Seattle Seahawks philosophy of defense where you just kind of just line up and play. And I think that's how you beat great quarterbacks. You don't beat great quarterbacks by fooling them. You're not going to fool Tom Brady, but you just got to line up and play and make make it so the receivers have to beat you, not Tom Brady, because Tom Brady's going to beat you every time. There are two things I want to point out here. Steven wrote a really great column about this, about the Jaguars' defense and, and how the talent, and, and you can kind of elucidate this and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just that the Jaguars are too talented, so they don't need to do anything exotic. They can just play cover three, and they can, you know, their their cornerbacks can do things on their own. They don't need to, you know, they can blitz, but they don't need to do it that often um, because they have an elite pass rush too. So it seems to me like, you couple that with what you pointed out so astutely about Tom Brady when the, the ESPN report came out that, you know, Tom Brady's been throwing a little scared uh, the last couple of seasons um, if he's, you know, worried about injury. And I just know what we've seen as, as a Giants fan. I've seen what Tom Brady does when there's a pass rush in his face. Uh, and again, it happened with the Falcons. So you, you bring all that together and you stir it in the pot. I don't know. I don't think that it's it's out of the question to say the Jaguars, if they put up, I say, 20 to 22 points in this game, could win this game. Yeah, the only the more I, I like think about the game and the more I, I kind of watch film on both teams, I'm, the more I, I'm worried about the Jaguars in this game <laughs> just because I don't think – I don't know if their coaching staff is up to the task. I don't think they have to do too much to be, the, to be in this game. But I'm just worried about Josh McDaniels getting a week of film on a defense that doesn't disguise anything. And he's just going to figure out ways to get his matchups. He's going to figure out a way. The player that the, the Patriots are going to attack is Paul Puzzleslesny. He comes off the field in passing situations. Or against, like, again, when a team puts out three rod receivers, the Jaguars take him off the field just because he can't run with anyone. He's more of a, a run defender. I think the Patriots are going to do whatever they have to do to get Puzlesny on the field in key situations, and they're going to get him matched up with someone like Gronk, and they're just going to pick on that matchup all day. And I don't know if the Jaguars are going to be able to adjust to it. And that's my one concern. Interesting, because my my take on on the Patriots' strategy, and you are way more steeped in film than I am, but I just know from, from recent history, this is lining up for me to be like the James White game. Right here, like like it was in the Super Bowl, where he's just going to be in the flat. Deion Lewis, too, who caught a bunch of passes last week. I just think there's this is like all these passes out of the backfield, all these quick throws, um, you know, nothing too crazy, nothing downfield. You know, it's not going to be a huge Brandon Cooks game by, you know, and, and we've seen that this year where they take Cooks out of the equation because he's the deep threat. I don't see him doing much uh, of anything. And you're absolutely right. That it's a Gronk game, too. It's, it's a, you know, middle of the field um and like you said, you wanted Jalen Ramsey. You wrote a great thing about Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you were pr- like pleading for a matchup against Gronk, which is sort of like the the footbally nerdy thing you want is to see like the probably arguably the best cornerback in the game matching up with the best tight end in the game uh, in in a you know a, sort of a battle like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sort of reading this as like we're gonna keep this short. We're gonna keep these quick. 
it, we're going to chew up a lot of clock and we're not going to, you know, run a lot of those downfield patterns and, and, and expect, you know, and, and make Tom Brady make these throws that he shouldn't be making against such a good secondary. Yeah, I think you're right about James White and Deion Lewis. That's going to be, I think that's going to be also a big point in their game plan is also getting those guys matched up in favorable matchups. If you want to see what the page, if you want a preview of the Patriots' offensive game plan, go back and watch their Super Bowl against the Seahawks. I think that's what we're going to get. Back they, the the whole game plan was based around getting, getting Rob Gronkowski and I think it was Shane Vereen at the time matched up on whatever the Seahawks' weakness was at that time. I think it was probably KJ Wright in coverage and Cam Chancellor. They're not really coverage guys, and they were both banged up. That's all they did the whole game. The whole second half was just go after those guys with Gronk and Shane Marine, and it worked. And I think that's what we're going to see against the Jaguars. The thing is, will the Jaguars be smart enough to to match up where they where they're not getting a Paul Puzlesny on Gronk or James White? And I don't think that they are just based on what I've seen all season. There's been times when they've been out coached in the 49ers game. Kyle Shanahan just toyed with that defensive coaching staff, and I. And the uh, the Patriots are better than Kyle Shanahan at scheming around teams. Yeah, I forget about that Niners game. That was insane. Let's 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 flip it for a second. Um, uh, w- the Patriots defense, which we've seen be vulnerable this season, I, I want to say that lately they've really picked it up in the last six or so games, including the win last week. Uh, do you see? Here's the thing, right? Like, what they have to do is basically. I don't know. I, I stack the box uh, with like ten players, basically, because that's all that that Fournette's going to do with that, that offensive line. And if they shut that down again, you force Blake Bortles into throwing, and we know that's never a good situation. Is that all it's going to take, or is it is it more complex than I'm making it out to be? No, I think that's what they're going to try to do. It's just going to be interesting to see how they do it. Belichick always has something crazy cooked up. Sometimes uh, I think if I had to predict what he's going to do. I think he might put an extra linebacker on the field and take off a safety. He's done that in the past where he's played with two corners, one safety, and four front seven players. I think that might be a strategy they use on early downs and then and then maybe like put an extra safety in the, on the field instead of a corner and nickel situations because I don't think he fears Blake Bortles passing. I think he wants Blake Bortles to pass. Yeah, he's going to give the Jaguars looks where they, they say, all right, we can't run against this. The thing is... I think the Jaguars still might be able to run against it because the Patriots front, front seven isn't great. They're not the defensive line's not great at occupying blocks, so the the offensive line can kind of get to the second level and take out the linebackers. I think if that happens with Fournette, I think he'll have a big game, and I think that's the only way the Jaguars win is if Fournette has a huge game. He has to have over 100 yards because if Blake Bortles has to pass more than 30 times, the Jaguars are losing. That's the thing that that I'm 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 kind of hoping for it, it, from an entertainment point of view. I, I want to see you know Blake Bortles put this game on his shoulders and prove everybody wrong, including us. Um, but I, yeah, I'm with you. If you force Blake Bortles into becoming the star and and, and the guy who has to play catch up, it's great. Here's here's the ideal in my mind for the, how the Jaguars win this game. The Jaguars' defense forces a couple of turnovers. Um, and, and they score off of those, right? So there's 14 points right there. They score one more, let's say, with a march down the field uh, in the third quarter, let's say, I don't know, with, with Fournette. There's, there's 21 right there. If the defense can keep the Patriots within 
23-26, they got a shot. That's the only way I see this game going for the Jaguars. Otherwise, it's going to get out of hand quickly, and it's going to be over. Yeah, they need turnovers. Yeah. They scored 45 points uh, against the Steelers, and their passing game for at least three quarters was anemic. I think Bortles is averaging like four yards attempt per attempt going into the fourth quarter. Yep. And, and he kind of got going with a couple big throws. He had a little check down that went for 40. Then he had a deep ball to Keelan Cole. But he really wasn't asked to make a lot of plays. He made like two plays all game, and they put up 45 points. That's They need that kind of game. They need a game where they don't have to ask much of Blake Bortles, but they can still put up points because the defense is giving them good field position and Leonard Fournette is running. If, if, yeah. if Bortles has to carry the load, I just don't see any way the Patriots – or the. Jaguars win. I'll give you one more stat that I think a, a little, a little, a little game plan prediction. I bet Blake Bortles ends up running for like seven or eight carries for forty-five yards. I just foresee him like scrambling a lot and having to make plays with his feet because he won't see anybody downfield. And actually, that's one of the things that I gotta say I've I've been very impressed by with his game. And over the years, we've seen that with him that he actually can make plays with his feet. But uh, uh, if I know the Patriots, may, they'll be fine with that. You know, they're like if we can give up forty-five yards to a quarterback, uh, you know, scrambling great. Um, I just I'm amused by you know looking at his his uh, his stats. The the line by the way is nine. Uh, Patriots by nine. I'm taking the points. I I think it's closer than that. Yeah, I think I'm taking the points too. I think I think bringing up I think the the Bortles running factor is a big deal just because the Patriots are they're a team that plays man coverage mostly. At least mm-hmm. they for much of the season they were in with man coverage that that's hard to play against running quarterbacks. If you think about it, you got the defensive backs' eyes are are not on the quarterback; they're right. on the receiver. So they're turning their backs to the pocket, and that gives Bortles like plenty of lanes to run. So what the Patriots are gonna kind of have to do is just like kind of contain him. So they're not gonna get their full pass rush going because you can't do that because then you get out of lanes and you give Bortles yeah, uh, right. means to escape. So it's gonna it's gonna really affect what they can do on like third and long. So I think I think there's a chance that Bortles has a huge game running. I don't think he's gonna have a huge game passing. Yeah. It, so if you combine his running with Fournette's running, then I think the Jaguars' offense has a chance to have some success, and that's why I'm yeah I'm probably leaning towards taking the points. And the the over under is forty six and a half. I probably lean the under by a hair. I twenty three twenty. You know that's forty three. That yeah around there. Uh, but it's it's. I wouldn't be shocked if the the Pats end up with a late, you know, to get to late, late, late score to get to 30, uh, you know, if, if the Jags are out of gas at some point. Yeah, I think I'm taking the over just because I could see both defenses scoring in this game. Yeah, uh, totally doable. Uh, cool. Well, thank you for joining us, as always. And uh, uh, we'll, I guess we'll be back next week to talk about, holy cow, the Super Bowl. Wait, we shouldn't leave yet. Quickly, what's your what's your dream Super Bowl matchup out of this? I'll tell you what my dream Super Bowl matchup isn't. It's Eagles-Jaguars. If I get anything else, I'll be happy. I want Vikings-Patriots just so we can have a Belichick-Zimmer matchup. Yeah, that's the best matchup possible, I think. Um, I would not be disappointed by Vikings-Jaguars. I actually think it would be a chess match of defenses, and that'd be kind of fun. And, and like I said before, I like a pitcher's duel. I think, you know, and no Patriots in the Super Bowl. I, I certainly think, you know, uh, people tuning in for that, for two franchises to win a Super Bowl, uh, uh, you know, uh, that that could use one. Um, and, and to maybe see the Jaguars win one, which would just be 
kind of astounding when you look back at our predictions of like, oh, who's going to have a top five pick next year? Why the Jaguars might? Well, here we are, and and uh, they could they are two wins away from a Super Bowl. I'm just not ready for a Case Keenum Blake Portal Super Bowl. So. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants that, but it's uh, it's nuts. All right, that's it from us. Uh, we will see you guys real soon. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys when we have uh, Super Bowl.